You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Program. I'm Sean Kelly and I will be your host for the next two hours. Thank you very much for the Celtic ramblings of Frank and Jerry. They're always good to follow those boys into the studio. Um, they're top fellas. In the studio, talking of top fellas, in the studio with me is Lou Prospero from the Hall of Fame. Lou, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Thanks for the warm introduction. On oh, a cold day out here, but you know. Beautiful weather in Perth. Fantastic weather in Perth. Perfect weather in Perth and perfect for all sorts of things. And one of our guests later on will be talking about that. Um, on today's show, we have the living legend, Sandra Bretnell. We are just talking about it before we came in. Um, a real pioneer of women's football and a real pleasure to talk to, to and Sandra. And a great ambassador as well. Absolutely. Um, then we're going to talk to Dale Wingle. He's the assistant coach at Coburn. We'll catch up with him about what Coburn are doing throughout this crisis. And uh, we might mention... A couple of things too about Scotty Miller and um, Dale's time in the glory as well because we had Kombutsi Anderson the other week and we're just loving the nostalgia. And then I'm going to talk to Chris Bongo-Williams, very interesting chap, had a chat with him the other day. He is the, um, the mad genius who came up with the concept of bringing EPL to Perth. Um, and it just, you know, for me, just pie-in-the-sky stuff. But if you don't have dreamers, you don't have anything worth having. So, you know... Those who dare to dream, um, you know, you've got to congratulate him for, for even daring to come up with the thought. Um, and, I, you know, whether it comes off or not doesn't matter. He's put, he's put Perth on the map. And then we're going to follow it up with Alex Novaxis, who is the man for all reasons at Football West. And we'll talk to him about the pathway forward. There are some issues when we go forward and how we do this and people trying to run before we can walk. But, you know, we need to make sure that we get... Um, the plan right because the last thing we need is everything going to hell in the basket so that's exactly, where we'll be yeah. 
Yeah. All right, in news, the Hall of Fame, very close to your heart, Lou, um, announced the uh, super state men's and women's teams during the week. Some fantastic names there, and I imagine a few arguments in bars or over Zoom around this one. But uh, two names I, I cannot argue with. One is Sandra Bretnell, who's on our um, show today in the women's team, along with our very own Penny Tanner. Yeah, look, uh, both deserving. Uh, Penny, for many years, work, uh, sorry, played for the state team. Uh, Captained it five times. Yeah, so she's uh, obviously held in high regard. Yep. But uh, Sandra, yeah, a cut above the rest as far as um, football in this state. She's uh, a great ambassador. She's a great um, role model. Uh, she's given back to the game as well. And, you know, a lot of people not aware but you know she's a legend status in the hall of fame in western australia and the first one ever in the world yeah absolutely there's some great names in in that women's team colette gardner um tal carp lisa devano you know it's just a star-studded lineup when you when you go through it and uh, good on the hall of fame for coming up with that because it's going to at least create some interest in that in the game um german bundesliga looked like coming back yeah, the K-League kicked off last night. It did. Um, with the no, Bundesliga, no. though, I don't know if you've seen Borussia Mönchengladbach. What a fantastic idea. For about 20 bucks, you get a cardboard cut out of yourself in your seat. <laughs> no. Well, that's a good way to uh, raise some it's revenue. It's a great way of raising some revenue. It's a great way of having your presence at the game. For 20 bucks, hell, I'd do it. If the glory, if, the, oh, if the glory said, yeah, can we do it, I'd do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's only 20 bucks. Come on. No, but is that per game or is that uh, well, a no, one-off? Cardboard cutout for the game. Uh, I'd say that would be a per- one-off payment. Oh, okay. I yeah. Right. But I well, mean, well, okay. They've had 12,000 12, take it up and, they, and they've installed 4,500. It looks pretty pretty schmick. Well, well, how about $20 for sponsors to put their uh, sponsorship per seat? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's all sorts of things that you could do to, to raise I'll revenue. My, in this, in this. I would rather put my uh, cut out of my company name than my face on there, I'll tell you, Sean. I'd rather <laughs> your company Come name on, than your like face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you left it open. I had to jump in there, didn't I? Um, and you mentioned the K-League. Yeah, the K-League um, started off last night. Two Australians in action went, um, yeah, kind of okay for both of them. Terry Antonio's got a red card um, and uh, Adam Taggart, former glory player, picks up a yellow in the 10th minute. It was subbed after 76, but their team, Sue on Blue Wings, won, so they're happy. And the other league that's happening is the Belarusian League. Um, it hasn't stopped. No, no, Slutz have been on a very good run, but I'm I'm glad to say that Penny and I will be celebrating the win by Energetic, who beat Slutz 2-1. And Is that your to, team? Sucks to be you, Peter Skeeler. We won. So so when did you jump on the, that bandwagon? Oh, that right at the start of the season. As soon as it all started, that was it. We picked teams at the start of the season. Peter okay. picked FK Slutz and we picked Energetic. So... Yeah, we, we won in that little battle there, Pete. <laughs> Don't take it personally, son, but that's what we did, all right? Um, but, no, look, it's interesting. It's, it's good to see that the games are starting to come up around the world. And, um, you Hopefully know... Hopefully it'll start locally, not too far in the distance. The local future. one will be interesting. We, we've got um, Alex, Alex on later on, and we'll talk to Alex about what's going on in the world right now and, and how that's going to affect the... Um, 
the return of football. There's lots of things involved. It's not just football West going, yeah, go back to playing, or FFA say go back to playing. It's down to the um, state government, the local government, um, and there's and lots the of layers we've, we've got to get through before we can actually go back to playing. So it's all right for people to say you can go back training in, in groups of 10 and don't share a ball. Um, the council at the moment will not let you go on the ground anyway. So we'll see what happens. But that's where we, we're at with things. All right. So um, we'll be going to a break very shortly. We're going to talk to um, to Sandra Bretnell after this break. So we'll be back after these. In 1972, under a scorching June sun in the French coastal town of Marseille, two Algerian immigrants awaited the birth of their fifth child. Later that day, a star was born. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Call it soccer, call it football. Myself, Peter Skeeler, Penny Tanner, Sean Kelly, Don Evans and Derek Pollock are the voices in your world football team, sharing the news across WA, Australia and the world for the one and only world game, the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. There we go, we're back in the room. Oh, that's a bit noisy. Is that my... Headphones down a bit. Okay. Um, we mentioned about the Hall of Fame um, during the week, and the Hall of Fame announced the state women's uh, dream team, and within that was our next guest, which is Sandra Bretnell. Sandra, good morning. How are you? Oh, we've lost the uh, lost button. All right. <laughs> we'll just change things. I have to get back. Um, if you want to talk about the the um, Hall of Fame and the process that went we went through to get to that, because it was quite an involved process. I know Mel Moffat was very involved in it. Yeah, Mel Moffat, uh, Brett Klusnik, Richard Kreider, all uh, associated with the history of the game um, as journalists and also uh, people who have looked um, after the history in the game. Richard, of course, um, coming up with that brilliant book, um, Paddock to Pictures, uh, that was a 12-year project, uh, Sean, that uh, he had to endure yeah, it to, was. to get that um, book on. But I think um, also like the, the men's team, the dream team was selected, that was very big. Yeah, but it was, you know, unfortunately a lot of people just remember people who um, in the last 20 or 30 years, but, you know, Richard and the guys went all the way back uh into you know the early 1900s, yeah. Uh, but from the women's game, obviously the, the history doesn't go that far back. But that's where uh, Penny and uh, Sandra have contributed to it. You say it doesn't, but I, I saw in, during that in the week was a hundred years of women's football, so it, it does go back a fair way. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying in is the modern not, era, yeah, not as far as the men. Absolutely, but, but the you know there was a team in the 1950s that the um, that played local football here. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, joining us on the line now is Sandra Bretnell, who was one of the people nominated in the women's dream team. Sandra, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Well, um, good morning. Yeah, Don and I. Uh, sorry, Don. Louis and I were talking about you this morning, and. Um, Nice things, very nice things, because uh, you know it's amazing the contribution you've had to women's football over the years, and, and truly a pioneer. Um, a number of firsts that you know, obviously, will never be taken away from you. Um, you were the first woman to score an international goal for Australia. Do you remember That's that goal? Special, isn't it in itself? Yes. Do you Absolutely. remember it, Sandra? <laughs> um, I don't actually remember it. No, I've. I've um, had lots of people tell me about it. Okay. Uh, I remember the celebration, yes. <laughs> was it a header or...? I was, yo- I was very young back then, don't forget. Yeah, you, you, still, you, you still look uh, quite young, uh, Sandra. But uh, oh. <laughs> did you, do you remember, was a, they tell you, was it a header or did you, you know, kick it at the top left-hand corner or...? No, it was it was a placement shot, yes. Oh, uh, okay. Absolutely. Ball, yeah. Um, and you're renowned for your goals. You're also the um, the first woman to score a hat trick for Australia. Yeah, I was pretty hungry for goals uh, most of my career. Um, I could read the play really well, and obviously, you're having a, a great team behind you, um, feeding you well throughout the game can um, help you with the goals, of course. Absolutely. And then we've got one international first. Um, you are the first woman globally to be inducted into a Hall of Legends. Um, you're the only woman that's currently in the WA State uh, Hall of Legends. But, you know, the first woman globally to into the Hall of Legends, that's something really special. That is just, uh, I still have to pinch myself when I hear that. Yeah, it, it is very, I'm very, very proud. I'm very honoured. Um I, I still remember the night and the look on your face, uh, Sandra, that you were totally, totally shocked. Um, and uh, I don't know why, because it's, you know, well-deserved. You, you deserved every accolade that you get. I mean, as I said uh, earlier in the show, that you've not only been a great player, you've been a great um, role model for a lot of women, not only um, in the state but also in the country. Um and to have that honour bestowed on you, as I said, and you're a great ambassador for the game as well. So uh, nowadays there seems to be a lot of people uh, caught up in their own stardom, as it were, but, um, you know, you're so humble and any time that anybody needs assistance, they give you a call, you're more than happy to extend that arm of help. So it's a great credit to you. Thanks, Louis. Really appreciate that. I just love the sport, love the game and, you know, Getting as many uh, people involved is just, you know, what I'm all for. I just, it's in my passion, it's my in my blood still, and um, anything I can do. I've had so many fantastic opportunities, and uh, I'll be forever grateful for that. Uh, absolutely. Look, you were very young when you came over here from uh, Nottingham in, in England. Um, at a 15-year-old, you were representing the state, and by 16, um, the country. That in itself is a is just a massive journey. That was just amazing because when we first uh, emigrated here, um, it took my dad 12 months to find a team that would take me on because I was such a tiny um, 
you know, a young girl, very shy, and um, it was only uh, ladies' teams back then. There was no juniors, so um, everyone was a bit weary of having me. But then, obviously, once uh, George Crow knocked on our front door and I signed up with Inglewood Kiev, that was it. I just took every opportunity and, um, you know, grasped it with both hands and off I went sort of thing. So your your first club was Kiev, or uh, did you have no one yes. before that? Okay. No, Inglewood, Kiev, yeah. Did you play in the UK before you came over, Sandra? We we only had four teams in uh, England at the time, and uh, they were like school teams. We had four six-a-side teams uh, that would play against each other, and then uh, we had two 11-a-side teams, and I played in that. But up until I was about eight, I played in, a, in the boys' team um, and loved it and captained them. Obviously, then, back then, as soon as the parents realised I was a girl, that was it. You were gone. <laughs> and, and a question... <laughs> so many tears. A question from a from a listener is, what was your nickname? Pee-wee. <laughs> I, I won't, I won't, for obvious reasons. I, I won't dob Penny in for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the thing was, it, it's amazing that you talked about size, uh, Sandra, given that, you know, some of the best footballers in the world in the men's game uh, were short. Well, Kevin Keegan was told, "Go away, son. You're too small. You never. You're too light. You'll never make it." And look at him. And, and Gianfranco uh, Zola. Yeah. And Maradona yeah. was is short. You know. Yeah, so ca- the, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it means nothing. Size, exactly. Yeah. Uh, weight, whatever it means, nothing. And to be honest, I was very, very quick and able to dodge the tackles. <laughs> Whether that helps being small. Yeah, but I think, no, it makes absolutely no difference. I mean, you've still got the strength in your kicks. It's all about technique and vision and everything else. Yeah, and then I suppose when you look at the, the, the legends of the female game, Abby Wombach was also another one that was quite slight. So, you know, it's not just men. Exactly. Yeah, Mia yeah, Hamm was a right. big one. Yeah. yeah. So. No, absolutely. Um, and then you've, you've had a, a star-studied um, statewide career. I mean, you you were crowned the, the the state league best player six times, top scorer nine times. Um, you've had or played for just about everybody by the looks of things. Very happy to see you played for Ashfield, um, a club dear my heart as well. So, oh, had some great years at Ashfield. Such a good club. They were so um, for the women's team. It was such so nice to play at that club. I've got fond memories of Ashfield. I'm oh, glad to hear it. It's a tradition we're trying to keep up now. So we've got um, a couple of ladies' sides playing out of Ashfield and, yeah, we're, we're the better for it. So, um, you know... I think, I think all clubs will be now. Yeah. Uh, given the popularity of the, the women's game growing tenfold, mm. I think it's essential now to survive. Oh, look, it's, it's a whole family club and that's the way it needs to be. Um, going back to the, the start, you, you obviously you mentioned about the, the boys' teams where you were the captain and then when people realised you were a girl, they were going, well, hang on, that's not right. Um, how have you seen the, the, the change in the game? Because I, I think one of the things that has changed, particularly in the last three or four years with the Matildas, is that women's football is now seen as, as equal to men's. It's not... Uh, a, a, a substandard product you know the women's world cup was extremely well watched by people live but also across the world on tv so the the parity is, is starting to to come there i think the standard of the women's game has increased and gone up twofold uh which is um 
brought it about where worldwide people are showing the interest. They're not just a bunch of girls going out there trying to kick the ball anymore. They can see that they've got the skill and the teamwork and the passion and everything else in it. So, and it's enjoyable to watch. And it's a um, different, so but it's a different game, and we celebrate the differences. Men's games generally about speed and power. The women's game is more about technique and ability. So, you know, it's, it, they're good, good fun to watch. It is. You're right, and everybody's involved, and um, there's a lot of uh, uh, technique and, and a lot of passing going on, um, and the skill level is really high. And reading of the game is very good as well. And yeah, it is. It's come a long, long way. And there's more and more of the teams that are getting up to that higher level as well across the world. And when you go back to your, your international days when, when Australia first started to have a women's team, you would have been playing in, in substandard grounds wearing probably second-hand shirts and, um, you know, or hand-me-downs. I don't know. It, it wasn't really well-resourced now. And then when you look at what's happening now with the sports scientists and particularly in the English Premier League where the, the women have got all the, the attributes of the men's team, um, that sports science and the, the recognition is not, as I said, not a substandard product. This is now going to be the, the showcase. Well, it's dramatically changed, obviously. I mean, it, it, a lot of it's about money these days. Um, but there's no excuse for me now these days. If, you, if, you, if you've got the passion and you've got the will and the drive, then you... The, the avenues are all there for you to become a great player and play in a great team. And that's, that's something... Before, sorry. You know, it was all about fundraising and whether your parents could afford and, and, and work in your job and this, that and, and the other. It's a lot easier these days. Oh, look, we, we hear stories. Lisa Devanna, who was pumping fuel on, on a day she yeah. wasn't playing. Um, I don't know what you were doing at the time, but you were obviously... You weren't getting paid as a full-time professional footballer, so you must have been doing something else. Oh, exactly. I worked in a supermarket and I did night shifts and all sorts. And then, you know, just to get the money to help mum and dad so that I could afford to go away with the state. Because you went away with the state and then you went away with the national. So that was two trips a year for many years and very costly. So the, the national team and the state team, obviously, you weren't paid for the privilege. You had to, you had to pay for yourself. So... Let's say that you were the number one striker and you couldn't afford to, to go international. What happened then, Sandra? You just didn't go. Well, then you, you, you just didn't go. Wow, I, that's terrible. It just didn't happen. I, there was one year I didn't go. I didn't go to India with the uh, state team because I'd just done a, a trip uh, with the national team and then we'd, we'd already done the state team and then we had this extra trip to India and... and Mum and Dad were working six days a week back then and we had, I had my two brothers and I just couldn't go and it was it's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. absolutely I still is. remember my dad telling me, you know, we, we're just really, really sorry, Chick, we can't afford to send you on this one. Mm. Now, so, yeah. com coming forward in, into this day and age, um, as you said, women's football, the, the, the World Cup in France, um, the, the new... English league that the women are playing in over there, there seems to be a lot of money, a lot of professionalism, a, a lot of momentum driving forward. Then COVID has kicked in. How do you see COVID-19 affecting things? Because obviously there's people who lost businesses, there's people who can't afford to be doing two, two things. Sponsorship money is going to be very hard to find in the future. Do you think this is going to have a, a massive effect on the women's game or do you think it won't? I would really hope it doesn't because I would 
hope that the women are playing with the same mentality as what we did all those years ago when we didn't have the money. Um, and I would hope that, uh, you know, they would just all pull together and, and, and play for the, for the game and for the passion and uh, for what they believe in. Oh, look, and I think the, the, a lot will, but you know, there, there are some people who, you know, look at the likes of Sam Kerr, Lisa Devanna, that's, this is now how they make their living. Um, and the, the, if the money's not in the game, where does that come from? Because obviously that's, that's what they've been 100% for the last few years. That's true, but uh, in the, at the end of the day, uh, we all get through this no matter what we're doing. you just got to push forward and, and keep um, striving and, uh, you know, you just change the way your lifestyle, change the way you live sort of thing to and accommodate yeah, and your people, passion. And people tend to be resilient. I mean, it's not the first time there's been a world crisis. We've had the Great Depression you know, yep. over a century ago, we've had the... The, um, the Spanish flu 100 years ago. The Spanish ago, flu, yeah. you know, and people do bounce back. We have, you know, good times, mm. we have bad times. and it's. I think it's going it's to set things back a bit. I mean, uh, I think come, come recovery, there's a lot of people who are going to be concentrating on getting their lives together, um, rebuilding businesses, rebuilding jobs, um, maybe in some cases even restructuring completely because the business they had is no longer really viable um, so there's there's lots of reasons why people will change, but I think it, it, it may just retard things rather than stop things. I mean, it may slow down the growth a bit, but the growth is already there. But also uh, what it has done is people have taken stock and a lot of people rebuilt relationships. So yeah. that's the positive side of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it could be an eye-opener, you know, a kick up the bum to us all and Get us all back on track how we should be. How are you going through the, the COVID crisis? It's, it's hit everybody in, in one way or another, um, some more than others. You, you're coping all right? Um, we had a business which we uh, folded up because of the economy before the uh, COVID hit. Um, so we uh, obviously we're, we're both out of work, um, but we're not stressing about it. We've got our health. All our family has, our, has their health. And uh, we just get through it as best we can. Just stay positive and hope, you know, it's, they can get a hold of it and um, get it all sorted soon. Absolutely. And having a supportive person in your life is very important. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen that across the world, domestic violence rates have, have gone up, divorce rates have gone up. But, you know, if you've got a, a good thing happening, um, it's really paying dividends throughout this time. Oh, definitely. I mean, just support each other and understand each other that people um, struggle through these times differently. We all cope differently and that's okay. So, yeah, let's just help each other through this. Definitely is. Look, Sandra, you've been a great ambassador for the game. You've you've been a a great um, servant of the game and I know you you still continue to give because you're involved with the Hall of Fame. You're involved in the selection of the women's dream team. Um, who was the best player you, you've ever played with or against? Oh, that's a biggie because I've played with some uh, great players and I've had some tough opposition. Um, I think one of the really uh, players that does come to mind all the time for me at my forefront is Julie Clayton, mm-hmm. a tremendous midfielder. Um, her vision, her distribution, reading of the game, brilliant and um, probably 
opposition. Oh, well, I can name, you know, 10 defenders. <laughs> that would, uh, <laughs> and most of them come from Ascot. Ascot had some tremendous good uh, defenders in their team. I can't really name anybody no. against, to be honest. But, yeah, Julie Clayton is the one for me. What about the uh, at an international level, Sandra? International level, uh, Rose. Um, our stopper, absolutely amazing player. Big, strong lass like Anna Senashenko. Mm-hmm. Brilliant yeah. players, those two ladies. And uh, what, what country did they play for? New South Wales, and Anna was obviously WA. Yeah, okay, and also in Australia, or did, were they Australian yep. players? Yeah, Australian players, yes, both yeah. of them, yeah. And obviously some great memories for you within the local game. Um, look, you, you're an absolute jewel for the game, um, a real role model for girls. I think, you know, um, if, you're a, if you're a young girl out there, 14 and, and slightly built, thinking, you know, can I make it? Yes, you can. Um, you definitely you can, yeah. just got to believe. And what you said before, uh, Sandra, about the passion, the will, you can't coach that, you know. You either got it or you haven't. And if you got Ex- the will, you're exactly right, Louis. Yes, if you, exactly right. If you got the, you know, the likes of, um, you know, Harry Kill, Tim Cahill, Craig Johnston, as you know, they were only 15, and they went over yeah. to follow their dream. And you know, Tim Cahill was quite open. He said, you know, he was over there in England. He was crying mm. for his parents, yeah. and thought, what the hell am I doing? But look how his career has turned out to be. So. But he, he had that will and passion, and you could see the will every time he, he put the green and gold on. Oh, look, you've got to be truly driven. There are, there are real trials for anyone that wants to become a professional footballer or to, to be an elite-level footballer. Lots of sacrifice. It's not an easy thing. You don't pull on a pair of boots and become Cristiano Ronaldo. You have to go through a lot of suffering, and, and the more suffering you have, the better you get. Well, you just heard Sandra. It's yeah. not only just the player. It's also the uh, the families, you yeah. know, to to go through that with them uh, to help them live that dream. And it, and a lot of it comes down to money. Yep, absolutely. It does more so now than ever. Sandra, thank you very much for coming on this morning. Um, congratulations on your selection in the, the women's dream team and um, I hope things all will work out for you at the end of this COVID crisis because, uh, you know, just as much as you're a driven footballer, you'll be a driven businessman and you'll get your, your business up and running, whatever it may be in the future. Okay, thank you very much. Have a great day. You Me too. too. Thanks for your time. Okay then, bye. Sandra Bretnell, um, a real top lady and, yeah. Great person. Great person and in struggle town at the moment, but, you know, not the only one. Um yeah, things will things will turn around for us all, and I think that's the important part. And if if you can put that drive that you had in sport into your life, you can achieve great things. Yeah, and you know the basis. And, and as I've said many times before on the show, Sean, you know, football teaches you discipline. You know, with your training, uh, your performance, being a team player. It's all the basis of life. Oh, absolutely, and, and, and winning and losing and all correct. those things. And yeah. losing isn't about you know being a failure. Losing is about learning how to cope with that and, and coming back stronger. Exactly, and you know you have good times, bad times in football. You have it in, in life as well. So mm. it's it's a great learning curve of uh, playing a team sport, uh, preparing you for life in the future.
Absolutely. And, you know, um, we look at now the, the Dream Team and the, the Hall of Fame. It's a, a great thing. The, the Hall of Fame was, again, in Australia, in WA, the, the Football Hall of Fame was the first one. First one in Australia, yeah, 1996 yeah. that we were established. Yeah. So, yeah, it, we led the way in that sense as well. So, And, and it's great to see the recognition of the past. And, and you, you talk about some of the great servants to the game, but you look at um, as much as Sandra and uh, Robbie Dunn and all those others, Craig Naven, have contributed on the field. There's lots of people off the field who've also um, been part of that narrative, people like Richard Cridler, you know, without the history of the game, we don't remember the game. So, you know, there's there's lots of ways people can contribute to the game rather than just being a player. There's coaches, there's referees. Obviously, Eddie Lenny was um, in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Eddie, to be fair, though, had his development and grounding in Scotland, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, there was, you know, locals that who... I think that really, if you look at the FIFA referees we had, the, the first local guy we had uh, distinguished was um, Angelo Nardi, mm. who who actually uh, was developed as a referee from the ground roots here in Western Australia. Yeah. But, you know, we've had Eddie, we've had Roy Steadman, you know, English background. We've had Barry Harwood, again, English background. So uh, they may have, I don't, I'm not sure, maybe I'm talking out of turn, the English background, but they may have started refereeing in Western Australia and was developed here. I'm, I'm not sure about that one. So, hmm. yeah, but like you're saying, you know, the, the grounding and foundation of our forefathers is how we're playing the game in the way, the structure that we're embracing now. Yeah, and it's interesting when you went through, I went through both those teams last night and had a look at them and, you know, I couldn't argue with anyone that was on there. Um, I thought it was interesting that if you hadn't played for the state team, you weren't on the list. So obviously Sam Kerr's missing. Um, is that because Sam just wasn't available for the state team or the, or the women's state team didn't play that many games while she was here? Well, it's interesting you raise that because, you know, I have seen a lot of players go and go on and play for the state but never played um for an NSL team yeah. or play for the country conversely you've had like you say players that never played for the state but then have gone and play for the uh the country so Lydia Williams pardon Lydia Williams yeah current goalkeeper yeah, yeah. and uh, I don't I'm not sure well, I'm pretty sure that Harry Kill and uh, Tim Cahill didn't play for their states because they were already overseas. So, yeah, oh, definitely, you know, yeah, they would have done. Um, yeah. But as far as Sam Kerr is concerned, uh, I'm not sure why she wasn't selected given what she's doing now. But maybe there was a cut-off date, so uh, maybe that was a factor in, in as part of the selection. Oh, no, the fact she's not played for the state team is probably the reason why she's not there. And, and fair call, you know, it's, it's the way it is. Um, but, yeah, you look at well, that list. Well, in our criteria in the Hall of Fame, you don't get inducted until you stop playing for five years. Yeah. So maybe that was... But, but those lists weren't... No, those lists weren't made up of Hall of Fame players. Cause no, Lisa, no, I understand. Because Lisa Devanna's in there and she's still playing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so. But she's been a lot more established in... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. No, look, I think what that's, that's great because the, the thing is, whilst we've not, we're not playing football, we are discussing football. And I am absolutely certain there are people out there again, um, you know, Len Dundo shouldn't be on the subs bench. He should be the starting striker. And, you know, it, it just starts those, those things 
and talks about the game and gets gets us reminiscing about the game and all of those things just you know keep the love going for the game and that's where we, we've got to be going with it. But also don't forget uh, in years gone by and uh, pre-glory there was a lot more WA state team games against the oh, international Oh, absolutely, team. yeah. Unfortunately, glory yeah. has taken that role which is, you know, it's something that I, I – would like to see change. I would like to see, you know, Sampdoria come back and play against WA because we need a career path for our local uh, players. Definitely. Other than yeah. the NSL, uh, sorry, the A-League. Yeah. So they they need to have that character. But I suppose it, on, on that argument, uh, the Perth Glory are a, a business in their own right. They're bringing players in from other countries, other states. They are not the state team exactly and the state team is the state team now exactly. if the state team selected glory players who were wa born bred players then fine not a problem be up to the glory to release them for that but the the state side should be um the pinnacle for a state state level player exactly but the problem also was in the years gone by we've had you know rothman medal winners yeah who were inter- uh came over as visa players and end up playing for the state. Yeah. And then going back to their country. So yeah, an I argument look, for and against on that one. Absolutely it is. But I think, you know, it's one of those things that we need, need to be looking at and we need to be thinking about. And, um, you know, the argument won't stop, which is great because that generates interest in the game. All right, we'll be back after a break with Dale Wingle and we'll be talking about Coburn and how they're getting through this crisis. So we'll be back after these. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame, Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. of land under starry skies above don't fence me in Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project we specialise in colour bond aluminium, steel and timber gates check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au that's A-U-S-W-E-S-T-Fencing.com.au don't fence me in. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And we're back in the room. Um, and joining us now is our next guest, which is Dale Wingle of Coburn. Dale, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, guys. Yourself? Good. How are you coping throughout the the COVID crisis yourself personally? Uh, still um, working and um, managing to keep your your sanity. 
Yeah, trying to keep the sanity. Obviously, um, there's been uh, thousands of people impacted by this. Um, I'm I'm on uh, a bit of uh, leave, forced leave at the minute. So uh, I, I work in the uh, alcohol industry. So uh, um, yeah, so on on hold for the time being. But hopefully, the way WA is going. Uh, we're back uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, they're talking about uh, hopefully the Sunday resuming uh, or starting to, to get the, the restaurants and, and pubs and clubs back online, which in, in your game will be just bang on for you. Um, but I didn't know that's what you did. I've, get, I've got your number, so that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, alcohol sales have gone through the roof, Dale. So, you know, I know you, you, you're you in the distributor side of it, but, uh, yeah, the, from sales point of view, it's been a, a huge increase. Yeah, there certainly has been in probably uh, uh, bottle shops and, and and places like that. Um, but obviously, uh, the wholesale the wholesale distribution, yeah, you'd yeah, be hit. Yeah, yeah, it has been affected massively. So mm. anyway, I think there was an initial uh, uh, craziness, like with toilet paper, with uh, with beer. But uh, I think that's obviously flattened off now, and yeah. people just. Uh, just get what they need. A, a friend of mine made a significant in, investment in a, in a pallet load of, of beer really early on in the crisis. Oh, so, <laughs> he, well, he's no, got look, 10 years worth, has he? He didn't need toilet paper, he just <laughs> need, yeah. But no, it, it's serious because, I mean, in um, South Africa, they've they had a complete ban on alcohol and, and tobacco sales and that's caused some real problems. I read this morning that two people died drinking homebrew. Jeez. You know, husband and wife. Right. So, you know, got to be careful what you're doing and leave it to the professionals, I reckon. So everything you, in moderation. Yeah, ex- everything in moderation, including moderation. Um, Dale, yeah. Coburn, um, obviously you and Scotty have been at the helm now for a few years. Um, you had a great start to the season. It was looking really good, and then all the breaks went on. What have you been doing to keep contact with your players, keep them fit, keep the interest up? Um, I think early on we, we, we met up prior to obviously not being able to meet up and uh, – had some discussions about, you know, uh, what what the future looks like. I, uh, I guess with this, uh, our, our world's a bit different to how, how we knew it before. So uh, it was almost like every day is a new day to rules and regulations and bits and pieces. I guess to, to put it in a nutshell, we, we, we set out a bit of a, a, a plan for them. They've got, they've got fitness programs. Um, I guess what, what's been created over a couple of years is a really good culture um, a bit of emphasis on, uh, you know, trust, 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 and um, you know, we, we trust that the guys will will do the right thing and keep themselves fit. Um, we're obviously in contact with them through group chats and and stuff like that, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll get enough time to to get the football side of things right if the season does go ahead in some shape or format. So there's a lot of trust, and obviously that's the culture that's been created over. Over a period of time, are you permitted to train at the moment as a group? Um, we no, we haven't been given the AK okay for that, and obviously that does. And where yeah. would that come from, Dale? Look again, uh, that's not my uh, uh, expertise area, but um, I think it comes down to clubs and councils and, and stuff like that. It certainly yeah. does, uh, yeah. yeah. Because I and, mean, and if I, the council, for example. I know there's some councils that won't allow people to train uh, at their grounds, but if that was the case, um, but the state government would allow it, then would would the option be that you could go down to the beach, for example, and, and train down there? Yeah, look, I guess we'll be uh, we'll be governed by you know 
by Heidi and 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 obviously the club. Uh, they'll they'll do all the liaising with the, the right parties, and then if we're given the okay um, to to go ahead and train, whether it be whatever format it may be, um, I, I think we we would would take the opportunity. I guess the other thing we need to know is that. Uh, uh, when when the season is likely to start, because if it's not going to start for let's just say four months, you sort of think to yourself, um, you season's know, over. Not, we, need to, we, we need to understand when that is and, and manage those timelines. But I, I guess the most important thing for, for myself and Scotty is that because this is a different world we live in, for, for our players and friends and family, obviously the well-being factor. And obviously, not only the physical well-being, but obviously the, the mental well-being is, is probably paramount in, in, in all of this. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I know our guys have been training sort of in, 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 you know, whether it be in twos or before that in groups of three or four, and, and obviously keeping that camaraderie and, 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 you know, togetherness there. So we know that they're on the right track, and obviously when we're able to train fully, we know we'll be on the right track as well. Absolutely, and I think when you look at it, it's it's what sort of comeback there is. Um, people are still talking about a full season, playing two games a week. Um, I think there's some other other things playing a much reduced season with a game every ten days. It depends on on who's giving the advice. Um, be interesting to see where where we go with that because I think you know a lot of clubs have got council grounds, so they're. When the summer sports kick in, the summer sport has the the major call over those grounds, and councils are not going to tell cricket or baseball that sorry, football season got a bit snafu,ed so we're going to put you on the ground instead. Uh, it's, I just don't see that that's going to happen. Um, as you said, coming back in at the moment, we can't even get access to grounds. A lot of the council grounds are not letting you in. If you if you own your own facility, great. But if you don't, um, then you're going to not be able to get on there until the council approve it, and they're reliant on the state government advice, et cetera, et cetera. So it does, there's a lot of doubt about how this season will start and when it will start. Yeah, look, I think uh, there's, no, there's no blueprint for what we're about to encounter. So I think... Uh, Everything's on the table, and and I guess from from federations to even clubs, I think uh, not being able to play football for this period of time has been good and bad. Um, but uh, it, it would give the you know the top end of the scale the chance to obviously sort out our football from an Australian perspective, and obviously everyone's hanging out to play football. So I Absolutely. think clubs would come to the party to to say it's a different format. We know it's just a one-off. Let's just do it. So, I think I guess, yeah. when you look at it nationally, though, Dale, we, we're talking about the, the national restructure. Um, Rob Sherman went. He was in the middle of a restructure of the MPL. Um, and, you know, the, we, we all know the MPL is flawed. Um, the, there doesn't seem to have been a lot of movement. I know that they brought in a couple of people like Mark Viduka, et cetera, because they, they did a, a really good podcast. I don't know if that qualifies them to restructure the game in this country, particularly if he's running a coffee shop in Croatia. But, you know, <laughs> um, it just the right people need to be involved in this. And I think, you know, the, the, there is obviously an issue with the way we develop kids into young men and then, or young women and into players that can play at a, a national or international level. Um, and I, I just feel that we're, we've kind of let that time dwindle. Yeah, I'll look, I guess people like Mark the Deeker and that, of that ilk, I guess you, you need to have a combination of the right people 
to give different perspectives to obviously come to, 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 the, to the right answer. And obviously that golden generation would have some great input from a football perspective, um, but you also need other people to, to add to that and come up with the right formula. But, um, you know, we need to make it affordable for, for juniors, definitely, especially if you've got more than one kid involved in, in football. Oh, I'll, I'll, um, I'll throw a question back to you there, Dale, with, with, with Coburn. Um, I imagine that you're paying um, a premium for MPL training. Your costs from Football West and the FFA and everyone else are fixed. You've got TDs and professional coaches coaching. They come at a cost, um, and that money has to come from somewhere. Now, if it's not going to get from a sponsorship, that has to come from the parents. I don't know how you can make quality coaching cheaper. Yeah, well, look, with our counterparts at the AFL, obviously it gets funded through it gets funded through the federation. So. Um, yeah, again, it's, uh, it's no, not quite just, controversial. Not just through the Federation. The state government gave $12 million to the WA Football Commission. I can guarantee you the, the Football West got nowhere near that. Yeah, so I guess this is, as a code, this is what we're up against. So I guess we need to rally together in some way, shape or form to yeah. obviously uh, combat yeah. that or to, to get to get more financial it's been a long time coming though dale i mean we we are always you know the highest participating and we get the less money but the the problem is and i suppose this is the thing we're the highest participant rates but at children's level um most of those adults follow another sport whether that be afl rugby or basketball and that's where their money's going that's where their vote's going so whilst we've got a lot of kids involved we don't have enough voters once those kids grow up and become voters watch out because we'll have some political muscle but that's the the problem well then the question is why are they changing the code why are they changing codes why why are they changing alliance of their code given that their base has been our football yeah i mean we've had you know, Eagles players who played football down this end of town, you know, yeah. being Sumich and uh, Djakovic. Yeah, but we've also had Aussie rules players who've gone the other way like Sam Kerr. So, you know, we've got... Yeah, well, she it, was the intel- intelligent one. Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm saying, though, is though, that, um, you know, the good people at Coburn, and you're all decent people, you know, Heidi, Scotty, yourself are all, all good people, so the committee, you're not fleecing kids, you're not ripping them off. Um, the, the fees are what it what it actually does cost for you because I think um, my club will be the same as yours. The the fees that we charge players, whether they be junior players or senior players, do not cover one hundred percent of the costs, and we we offset that with sponsorship, fundraising, and all the other things that we do, match day uh, takings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all bring down the cost to those players. So whilst people are going, yeah, it's got to be cheaper. Um, you can't just go, oh, it's got to be cheaper and expect the clubs to bear the, the cost. We need more input from state and federal government. When the federal, local government. When the federal government give $30 million to Carlton to develop their, their um, clubhouse, you know, we don't even get that for the entire code across the country. So, you know, there is something seriously wrong in Rome. But the, well, I'll tell you what's wrong in Rome is that the, the AFL are very good at lobbying. Of course and, they are. And, and we don't... Apparently, they're there in Canberra every week lobbying the politicians. Yeah. Now, where where is our representation in, in football oh, doing yeah. the same? It's not there, no, Sean. it's not. And, you know, the, as we always continue to talk about football, ours is international. Mm. That's that's where we've got a big pass oh, on the rest of it. Look, I and, don't and, doubt it. And, I and think that's why Sam yeah. 
She came out of her own mouth and said, I, I play football because it's an international game and it can take me around the world, right? Yeah. Instead of AFL. So, but, you know, just changing the subject here a, a little bit, uh, Dale, your playing career, you, you played under uh, Tom Samani. What was um, that like? Uh, yeah, Tom was um, sort of gentle-spoken type character, but obviously he knew football. Um, very, yeah, very smart and very intelligent in the way that um, tactic, tactics-wise and that. Obviously, he'd been involved in the women's game for, for a long time, been very successful. But, yeah, look, uh, nothing but good things to say about Tom. Did you learn from a, now that you're a coach yourself um, a lot from him is from tactical points of view and um, expressions of the way he, his demeanour was as a, as a coach? Uh, yes and no. I think I've, I've, I've either learned what to do or what not to do from every case that I've, that I've been coached, coached by. Yeah. Um, and obviously, um, whether it be um, having your own perspective on, 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 on football as well. But, yeah, from, I've learned something from every coach that, that I've ever been under, um, regardless if I think they were good, bad or otherwise. So, um, what um, you know, obviously from a young age, uh, two, two coaches that were heavily influential in me as a player was probably uh, the late Mel Brown, um, who I had as an under-18s coach, and obviously Gary Maraki, um as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, I think uh, the game's changing and evolving um, and... Uh, um, you know, there's always one thing, but there's no, there's no uh, hard work. You can't that 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 hasn't changed over over the years. So regardless, you can throw tactics out the window, mm. but obviously players play the game and uh, absolutely. It, it, so um, you keep you know. it a little bit quiet when you're sitting across from uh, Mark in regards to uh, <laughs> tactics. You know, at the kitchen table. So being a rival of yours now. I think Mark's a bit more vocal than myself, but uh, um, uh, I think Ramon would attest to that. But uh, I guess uh, whether you're working with someone, whether you're the assistant or you're the head coach, I guess it's, it's having that rapport together, it's having that understanding. Um, you know, you have to, I think I think it's important to, to throw things out there in case it hasn't been considered, but not take it or be offended by it and I think myself and Scotty who we've known each other since I think we were I was uh, 17 years old yeah. um, we've, we've been friends or we are friends and, and that will never change but uh, we just uh, you know from not working together in a football situation I just think we, we, we certainly do complement each other and, we, and we've got a good great great rapport now, earlier on, we spoke, we spoke with Sandra Bretnell, who's a, a pioneer for women's football. But I think, um, you know, we sometimes forget the contributions that the, the more modern players like yourself have, have brought to the game. And it, it seems like only yesterday that you were in the, the Perth Kangaroos, which was the, the fledgling um, group that were, were the seed of the glory and, you know, just proved that this state could compete at a great level. Um, you know, it was a fantastic time. And, you know, the, the Kangaroos proved to the rest of the state and to the to the country that we, we could compete on that level. And then obviously when the glory started, um, you played for them between 96 and 97, so it must have been a fantastic time. Oh, look, the Kangaroos were, was, was, was unbelievable. Uh, it was an unbelievable time. I think I was the youngest in the team at probably 20 years old, so 
having the opportunity to fly to Singapore every second week and uh, play football um, was, was unbelievable. Um, I guess teammates um, that I'd played with, I was playing at Perth Club at Upper Tay at the time, and you know I think the core of our team was um, was Perth uh, Perth Tay or anyway Paul Strudwick, Gareth Craig, um, Scotty. Um, you know, and then and then obviously some some and then got to know players from from other teams, um, you know, from from Western Knights and you know the Steve Bournes and Paul McBitties of this world as well. Um, so it was just a great time, and obviously it was it was sort of like us against them because we we're playing in a you know a, a competition overseas. So uh, it really just showed that uh, the quality of what was in. In, in WA at the time and also um, the, the ability obviously for, for Gary to improve as a coach Gary and Mickey Brennan um, with, with the coaching staff and, and the players were just in, you know that was the closest we could get um, to almost being full time because the glory wasn't around So um, you mentioned Scotty before you, you work with him obviously as a player in, in both Kangaroos and the Glory, um, you're now coaching together. What's, what's Scotty like as a as a guy? You know, you've you've obviously known him a, a long, long time. Is he is he the humble sort? He he he, he is very humble. Um, he's uh, he's he's quietly spoken off the field um, and highly uh, cheeky, he's the, Dale. He's highly cheeky. He is cheeky. But I think we all are. So uh, I think we all are. So. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a great character. Um, he obviously loves his football. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess like with everyone, once we cross that white line, whether it be as a player or as a coach, you know, white line fever takes over. Um, our game's an emotional game, so, you know, we can all get emotional. And uh, as long as the other one balances off off the uh, the former, then then I think that's okay. But uh, so so who's the hard man in the combo? When you play good cop, bad cop in, <laughs> in the change rooms at half time, who who's the person that's dishing out the the raspberries and kicking hair dryers? Well, I think the scary thing is for our players is that it can be either of us. So we just need to balance each other off. So I uh, <laughs> don't know who it's coming from. Oh, <laughs> mixes them up. Yeah, no, I like it. <laughs> You're cruel. Um, and Scotty, obviously, he's um, in the the uh, Hall of Fame dream team was was announced as uh, in the starting eleven. Um, a great kudos for him. Oh, look, he certainly had a, a great career. Obviously, at the Glory. Um, you know, he, he had stints overseas, obviously uh, played for the country, his country as well. So, look, I think, uh, you know, all, all the credit, you know, it's, it's, good, it's good to see players that, you know, you, that you've played with and, and um, you know, are, are friends with to, to get those accolades. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sure, well-deserved. And um, obviously, you know, it's good to get these accolades after you, after you finish playing because you sort of don't look for them when you, when no. you are playing. Well, what was surprising for me was that he went over and played for Morwell. And the other surprising thing for me as well was, Dale, you end up going to Canberra. Yeah, Cosmos. Yeah. So I, I guess football's a funny game. You don't know where it takes you. And like you said about Samantha Kerr, it can take you anywhere. Um, so whether it be from a playing perspective, a coaching perspective, um, our game is unique because it can take you on a great journey and obviously have really, really good memories. So, and that's something that, mm. 
and no other sport currently in Australia. And, and the thing is, you, you make lifelong associations. You know, you, exactly. you you meet all these people, and and maybe not you're not friends, but when you meet them at a, at a game and or a reunion of some sort, you you know all these things start flooding back. Um, my next guest, um, who is um, Chris Bongo Williams, he's he said Bongo says hi. Uh, Bongo. Yeah, exactly. These are the things. I mean, when was the last time you saw Bongo? Apart from his uh, his handsome uh, face on the TV the other day, um, yeah, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, but these are the things. As I say, we just throw a name at you, and then all of a sudden, all these memories start flooding back. And that's the, the thing about this game. It's so special. It gives back in so many different ways, and and quite often when you least expect it. Yeah, you're spot on there. Like you say, you catch up with someone and it's like you'd never seen them, like it was like yesterday that you'd spoken to them. So, like you say, it's, uh, it's, it brings back good memories and, it's yeah, we just want to see it uh, after this, uh, you know, our world changes, hopefully it can get to the heights that it truly oh. deserves. Absolutely. Look, the, the world has changed. I've got no doubt that the game will come back strong and, and almost the same, a little different, but we'll all be stronger for it. Dale, thank you very much for your contribution to football, um, particularly to what you've done, for what you've done in this state with the Kangaroos and Glory. And now, obviously, with Coburn and uh, when everything goes back to normal, wish you and Scotty the best in the NPL. Thanks for your time and stay safe. You too. You too. Thanks. Dale Wingle, I know we, we hijacked a bit of it there when we t- start talking about state and federal politics, but it does annoy me that you know that people go on about the cost of the game and how much clubs are ripping people off. I don't know of too many clubs that would be doing that. I, I know the costs are high, but if you've got to have a TD who, who doesn't come cheap and you've got to pay coaches and you know everyone complains about having a mum and dad coach, particularly at an elite level, um, if you've if you're paying top dollar and you're the dad coaching that team, you know whether you're worth it or not. But um, I don't think that's a, a good thing. And I think if we're going to – the game has some fixed costs. We can't get around it. You know, we've had complaints about people not refunding fees at this moment. You know yourself from running clubs that in the pre-season leading up to the first game, uh, you're very cash poor because uh, you've, you've spent out on kits, you've had to register players, you've had to register the team. There's a whole load of outgoings with very little income. Well, and you've got to pay the FFA, you've got to yeah. pay Football West, you've got to pay the local council. You got, But it, even, but even free. The, the, the Yes, right, it's not free. Uh, even the FFA and the Football West costs are modest in comparison. Um, you know, the council fees... That you have to pay them because if you don't pay them, then the ratepayers paying them, and you know it's it's not fair on them either. So it is very much a user pays system, no, but, but, what, what but it it's be, fed from money from the ground up, not from the top down. What and, it should be is equated. Why is one co paying less than the other? Oh, co-pain, absolutely, right? absolutely. So it should be X amount mm. for for whatever, and it's equal. Uh, it's equal across Look, the board, whether it's cricket, and, and whether I, it's tennis. And I don't care sport what sport a kid is involved in. They could be involved in professional tiddlywinks as far as I'm concerned. But if, if the state and the federal governments are going to kick in, they should kick in pro rata. It should be equal. So if they're going to pay $100 per child, that's no matter what you're playing. Exactly. So why yeah. are we being discriminated against? Oh, we are being against? discriminated against. And when we talk about the homes of football and things like that, you know, that the, the, the home of Tiddlywinks will be built before we get a home of football. But 
But just, uh, even Dale, you yeah. know, touched on the golden generation. You've got yeah. Mark Viduka, as you say, is in another country shooting his mouth off. I don't who, know. who has not put anything into this game since well, he left to go to Leeds? I was going to say, out of the golden generation, what name me one player from that generation, other than sit behind a microphone and criticising, that's actually put in and given back to the game. Mm. I can tell you, zero. Mm. I haven't seen one of them. And that, yeah. and you're, you're, you're saying what gets up uh, my, your nose, I'll yeah. tell you, that is one, a big one for me. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's you, all... You've had some of these players being, as at least Dale and uh, Scott mm. and Mark Wignall, all these guys who have been playing, and Gareth Nathan, who have played in... Uh, Are still putting back into so the game. They're giving back, yeah. right? But the, the, the ones in the golden generation who have been coached by Alex Ferguson, Kenny Dalgleish. Yep. Right. Um, they've, they've played at Rangers and Celtic and all these clubs, big clubs right across the globe, have uh, other than sit back and just criticise. Absolutely. So you, that, that's really annoying. All right. Now we've got you wound up. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll be back after back after these messages with Chris Bongo Williams, and I just love this story. So we're we'll back after all these. Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. 107.9 FM, your local station. Now, you, you're feeling much better, Lou. You've calmed down a bit after that. Oh, I had a drink of water. Thank you. The drink of water's calmed you down. That's good. Um, last Friday, I was quite elevated myself. Um, I picked up a news feed that um, some madman had decided that it was possible to bring the, the Premier League here, and I lost my mind. Um, we, are now, we are now talking to this madman ourselves. Chris Bongo Williams, good morning. How are you? Hey, Gary. I'm good, yeah, I'm very good. Yourself? Good, mate. Um, like I said, I read the news feed last, last Friday, I think it was, and it just blew my mind. Who am I, who am I speaking to now, please? Sean Kelly and, and Lou Prospero. Hello, Lou. How are you? Long time I'm no see. Yourself? Yeah, good. Sean, you okay? Yeah, good. Absolutely, mate. It's the only way to fly. How, how are you going yourself, Chris? Chris, I keep calling you Chris. I don't know why I do that. Gary. Chris is the ugly one. Gary's the good-looking one. Yeah, so so Dale was just telling us. Dale Wignall. So who was telling you? Dale, Dale Wignall. He said, apart from seeing your ugly mush on the telly, he hadn't seen you in a while. No, Dale was a good lad, yeah. He still is. He had a great, he had a great case of beckoning overseas, but when I was beckoning him overseas when he was 15... 
he got he got shin splinters and he was out for a while. So he. Yeah. Now, going going back to bringing the EPL out to Perth, um, it's one thing to have the idea. It's another one to publicly say we're, we're going to make it happen and, and go down that road. Um, how did that come together, Gary? Basically, we were just having a chat, me and uh, John Higgins, and he was trying to tell me how the villa were going to survive, uh, survive relegation, and I said the only way they'll survive relegation is they stop the league now. And then we got talking about um, the Premier League not finishing. Why don't we bring them to Perth? So next day, I'm sitting down thinking about it. So I ended up bringing seven club managers or people on the board, putting the idea to them. And they said if it would happen, they'd be quite willing to do it. Nice, safe place to do it. So on, on the Friday, I went to spoke to the Minister of Sport and uh, Senator Glenn Stirl and Mick Murray, the Minister of Sport, to find out if the government would um, consider the idea. And basically, the government is saying as long as all health restrictions are abided by, they couldn't see a reason not to do it. But the main thing was the health restrictions. And then um, through me talking to the people in the Premier, the press got hold of it. And, and of course, it went worldwide. So we called it Plan B. <laughs> um, how is it going? How is Plan B going? I mean, obviously, the, the bottom six clubs have said they're not playing on neutral grounds anywhere. Ne- never mind whether it's here or the UK. And there are obviously so many logistical um, issues around bringing twenty clubs out here. Um, how's how's the bid going? Well, Plan B this end with governments is uh, is feasible. But it's the UK. I mean, it's all the politics with the Premier League. Boris has got a big meeting on Sunday coming out to say whether it's going to be what the lockdown's going to be. If Boris turns around and says that there's no games in the UK and they want to finish the league, the only place in the world where they can play and that's safe enough now is Perth. And the timing's right, you know, for the time difference. Name me, name me somewhere else where they could play. There's nowhere else at all. Uh, the, the only place I could think of, and, and maybe you know they, they might throw a cheeky bid in, would be somewhere like Qatar. Um, be an op- option for them to prove that they could um, play games there at this time of the year for, the, for a World Cup. But no, other... they're on lockdown. I've got players in Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And they're on big well, they, there. You've got all the answers, Gary. So there you go. It, I, look, I agree with you. I think it, the the weather here is perfect. We've got some fantastic stadiums that they can be played through. Um, you, you're not limited to just playing one game uh, a day. You could, you know, through those stadiums, it could be two, three games going. You're not going to get crowds in and out. Yeah, I spoke to venues the other day. We could play at least three games a day. Yeah. With slight adjustments to facilities. Mm. Oh, no, look, I, I think. I, out, of, out, of, out of all this, anyhow, if nothing comes of it, we're speaking to the tourist ministers the other day, and there's been over $300,000 worth of advertising for Perth worldwide just through this. 
Oh, look, and I think, Gary, that's, that's the thing. You, you put us on the map globally. That, that just went viral when, when that happened. You know, the biggest league in, in the world was thinking of coming or even considering coming here was just enough to, to change that perspective. Little old Perth um, right up there in the forefront. Well, I, I did put it to the Premier League and yeah. they, answered, they wrote back to me saying they have other options down the road with the government and yeah. the club, which is their plan A for neutral ground. Mm-hmm. But if that didn't happen, then they'd have to look at other options. But this isn't this isn't the first time you you've come up with ideas that are um, bordering on madness. I think you know. Now, if you go back to the the eighties, um, if you said to anybody, "Oh, look, I'll I'll bring Bobby Moore over here and get him playing for one of the local clubs," they'd all have gone, "Nah, never." But I know someone who did that. Do you? Yeah, that was me. I yeah. brought Bobby Moore here, George Best. Trevor Brooking, Trevor, Trevor Brooking played for Kelmscott. Yep. Bestie played for Galeb. Moore played for Kiev. Bobby Charlton played for Italia. Yep. And I bought Jeff Hurst here on a world tour. Alan Ball, Norman Whiteside. I'm, the list is there. I also bought West Ham United over and Sheffield United, and they played at the Wacker. Were you involved with Jimmy Case coming over to Bongo? Pardon? Jimmy Case from Liverpool. No, no, no. I didn't have nothing to do with Jimmy. And what about Mickey Shannon from... Um... Yeah, Mickey Shannon, yeah, he's at the same time as Borley. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. We had some good nights, us three. So yeah. I suppose my my point there is, Bongo, that you've um you've got form, <laughs> you know, um for doing what people would call the impossible. So whilst the, there's a lot of detractors out there, and it's one thing I do love about Perth is that we've got so many experts that can tell us why things won't work or won't happen, and I think it's one of the reasons we have nothing nice. Um, rather than celebrating and going, hey, why not? Let's make this happen. Let's all pull together and go. Let's 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 do this, fellas. Football is the most watched, spectator watched sport in the world. It's also the craziest. Who would ever have thought that you, know, you get the World Cup in Qatar in the summer? Yeah. And and also, pocket, you were talking. Yeah. Bongo, you were also mentioning that, you know, if the EPL does come here, though, venues west obviously have got HBF Park. Uh, as the government talked about, uh, using local clubs as well as as Optus Stadium. Now, what we what the government's looking is the stadiums Optus, right? Wacker, HBF, yeah. okay, Joondalup Arena, right, and upgrading maybe a couple of the footy grounds for floodlights. Uh huh. Like right. training facilities, would that be down to us? And it would be the local local Perth, clubs. I, I keep calling them Perth Italia, Perth, Florida Arena. Rockingham, Mandra, they've all got quality. There's lots of quality training grounds here for them. Yeah. You've got Forest Field as well off, now. Been off to the State League clubs and also to the junior. Yeah. Well, Football West has given us the backing as well. Well, you can imagine if they had all these quality players here, uh, if they interacted with the local clubs as far as. Um, teaching the coaches and the kids' development, I mean, Jesus, that, that'll be a huge coup for the uh, state. be brilliant. Absolutely. Let's see what happens with, the, uh, with what Boris comes out with. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, with Boris, he's possible. he could come out with anything. He'll probably tell the Chinese we used to call soccer whiff-waff. <laughs> I 
think he's an Essex boy as well, if you want. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being an Essex boy. You want some, son? <laughs> hey, come on. Have it. <laughs> um, now, yourself, Bongo, you, you, where does Bongo come from? Oh, that's not for the radio, mate. That's for a few beers one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's coming. Um, that, came, that came out in the, uh, when I was playing over here in the mid-70s. Yeah. And I, I said it would never last. And that's over 40 years ago. And just as many people in the soccer world know me as Bongo than Gary. Do you still go in, uh, to the internet, uh, sorry, the national nationals to see the up-and-coming uh, kids coming through? Sorry, could you say that again, please? We just had a break up there. Yeah, the, um, the nationals, when, when the, uh, inter- the state teams are playing against each other, I, I used to see you at the nationals watching the up-and-coming Players, do you still do that? That's right, yeah. No, no, not so much now. I still deal a lot with ETU Joondalup and the academy there, which is very, very successful. We've put so many players overseas there and so many players have gone overseas and then come back and played for glory. Alex Grant's still playing for glory yep. now and he comes through ECU. Shane Lowry, Reese Williams. And now they've got Kenny Kenny Lowe as their head coach, um, and they've Kenny restructured. Kenny Lowe's head coach now, yeah, that's a great move. Yeah, they've restructured. What do you, what do you think of that restructure with Kenny at the top, and you know, a real a real div- development coach in my book, a far far better developer of youth than he was a um, a glory coach. But you know, that's his strength. Well, Kenny's Kenny's in charge of all the football now at ACC. Yeah, coaching football all the way through and I've been working with Kenny the last couple of weeks and absolutely fantastic coach and we've got more people we've just got uh, another lad signed for Charlton on a three year deal the, the, we, Gary over the years uh, you've picked up these uh, players who's shown potential and their qualities uh, do you think the, the, their standards now have uh, increased over the years or they're the same or decreased? What, what's your view on that? What, here? Yes. Yeah, yeah in Western So, States. So, for example, Stan Lazaridis as opposed to... Um, Taggart. Taggart, yeah. Can you repeat that question because the line's not going to... So, you, you, you've, Go you've taken a lot of young players and, and put yeah. them on the, on the road... Forward, um, yeah. Is there a difference between them and the Jordan, Jordan Lydon playing nine? Yeah. Do you think there's a difference between that era and the current boys now that are signing for Charlton and clubs like that? Is there a, a different level of fitness, professionalism, expectation? Well, on England level, you mean? Well, from from Australia from and from England, WA, yeah. From Western I've, Australia, I've always. Up to the age of 15, the Australian kids, I'm talking about Australia now, not just Perth, can compete with anybody in the world. What happens at the age of 16, the kids in Europe go into full-time training. and That's where we lose out from 16 onwards. But up to 15, technically, we're as good as anywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what do you think the difference is then? What happens at 16? Is it that in the UK they, they get exposed to playing against um, stronger, fitter players and, and they have to fight right, for their okay, survival? Mate. 
Okay, yeah, got your question now. Yeah. So basically, 15, in the UK at 16, they go into full-time academies where they're training full-time and doing education full-time. And the opposite, the opposition's a lot stronger each week, week in, week out. We struggle for opposition over here because of the travelling distance. Yep. So and the, quality, the amount of quality players. But that system that you you just mentioned was what we used to call the AIS, where they would take the the best of the best, put them into the AIS in Canberra, and they play in the men's state league. Um, it's a very similar type of arrangement, isn't it? Very similar, yeah. No, mm. no, the scholarships, um, full-time scholarship, I, I would say, is a little bit better than the AIS. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a daily thing. And the, comp- the AIS, again, didn't have the uh, opposition. So if you had to have a blueprint for junior development, and we're looking at, at your strength, which is... Um, having young players that can make it in, in Europe and, and on the world stage, what do you think junior developing Australia should look like? Should it should it be the MPL or should there be another structure like academies? It's very we put we put the academy structures into place with Gary Maraki and and a few others when we was on the Federation years ago, I think that was about two thousand, where we said that you couldn't be in the Premier League NPL unless you'd go an academy structure behind it. So that improved a lot with, the, with all the MPL teams having... But it, that, that blueprint is something maybe for Kenny Lowe to speak about because I'm not here full-time, so I haven't got my finger on the pulse. Yeah, so you, you balance your time between here and the UK. So um, just is that when it gets cold over there, you come here, or is it more exactly. around? Yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, now, you, you said you came out here in the 70s as a, as a player. So um, is that when you fell in love with the place? or? Oh, absolutely. I came out here when I was 19 in 1973. Reg Davis. You know, do you remember Reg? Lee? Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Reg Davis, one of the best players to ever come over. He was player coach for a team called Ascot, and they brought me out from England. And I was lucky enough to be able to play with Reg in midfield. Reg was a star player for Newcastle and Wales. Either side of me, I had Ray Islet, Johnny D, and behind me, Bertie Kirkpatrick and Steve Skeet. So, and I fell in love with the place then, and ended up staying. And then, who did I play for? I played for Athena. Love it, Athena. Belga, where we came up, Rockingham, Forestfield, Macedonia. So I've been a bit of a tart. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear it. And <laughs> and then then you went into player um, management, and um, obviously that's that's where you've been the last few years. So how'd that come about? Um, you know, I don't know too many people go. Oh, I'm going to become a player manager. So I I brought. Another superstar over here, who I'm remembering especially today, Ernie Hannigan, remember Ernie? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. Everybody remembers my mate Ernie. Ernie uh, put me in, took me and Ernie were talking about bringing Everton over when uh, Howard Kendall was manager and they was top of the league. So I went and seen Howard. They were going to do it. And then Howard had, when Howard was top of the league in 1994 with Everton, he had an argument with uh, the board and resigned when Everton were top of the league. And he said to me, Bongo, don't worry about anybody coming over. I'll put you in touch with Dave Bassett. 
So I went and seen Dave, and then we bought Sheffield United over here. And there was a lad here for, called playing, Doug Hodgson was over here playing for Serbia. And he got picked for the state side. Doug was a Melbourne boy. And Doug got picked for the state side against Sheffield. And we took him on the rest of the tour, and Dave Bassett signed him. And when we played Adelaide, he loved Carl Viet. So he signed Carl Viet as well, and he got me to do the deals on them all. And then the following year, that's how I got into player management. The following year, I brought West Ham over. And of course, I put Stan Lazaridis in and Chris Coyne. So it's just expanded from there. All right, and, and, Richard Gar- and Richard Garcia. Yep. Richard Garcia went over there when he was 15. Richard with the glory now, coaching. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah, and you said you've got players out there in Qatar. Are they from, from WA or from other parts of the, the world? Shane Lowry. Oh, yeah. I remember Shane, yeah. Good, another good player. <laughs> and I've got Brad. Do you remember Brad Jones? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Another first boy. Liverpool now is in Saudi with Reese Williams. Yeah, no, that's um, a very impressive list of players you just rattled off there. Um, so you've obviously been around the, the game for a, for a long, long time, both both here and in um, in WA and, and England. Um, obviously, you're also very good at seeing what's happened with COVID on both sides of the the pond. Um, so, what's what's your thoughts on the on the road out? Out of what? Well, out of COVID. I mean, we're, we're playing games now without spectators. Um, I find it hard to watch, but I don't know. It's it's a different game when you don't have the crowds there. What? Over here or in England? Both, really. I think England's going to be a major problem. I've been speaking to people over there. Because even if the games are no, no spectators, can you imagine Liverpool playing Chelsea at Villa Park in a neutral ground? There'll be twenty, thirty thousand spectators. There'll be Chelsea fans, Liverpool fans, Aston Villa fans. Yep. And anybody, anybody who wants to have a go can all be outside the Villa ground. That's going to be really, really hard to please. Oh, it will be. I, I think it'd be uh, tremendous. And I think the other thing that we, we people don't talk about a lot. The Premier League gets a lot of publicity, but at the lower tiers, and particularly when you're looking at division, the Championship League, Division One, Division Two, there's lots of clubs there that are, have been skirting around bankruptcy for the last four or five years. Um, I, I think there will be clubs. Uh, it would be. A, I've been speaking to someone, and what they're talking about is going back to the old system in the 30s, the 40s, and 50s. Where the lower league, say Division Two, they'll go Division Two North and South. Yeah. And the teams that um, let me just speak there, the teams that that financially that'll help. Yeah. And, it, and with travelling, but it'll also put a lot more local derbies on. Yeah. And, and that that may well be a way to go. I mean, you, I just look at the the competing fortunes of different clubs, and um, I've got some some great mates who support Newcastle and Sunderland, and you know that the there's always been a war between the the, the two clubs. And you look at their fortunes now. Newcastle on the brink of being bought out by um, an Arab conglomerate, and Sunderland have just had to to write off a twenty five million dollar loan. You know, it's. Um, and, and they've been skirting around bankruptcy. I've watched Sunderland till I die. Um, the, 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 but with the FA Cup... Sorry? That's next on my list. What is? 
What, what was that? What's next on your list? Sunderland till I die. Oh yeah, no, it's well, well worth watching, Bongo. Particularly as a as a player agent, you will really like the the last couple of bits of the the second series, where they a good, they, a good, a good mate of mine, director of football at Sunderland, Tony Coates. Remember Tony? Coates? I remember Tony, former West Ham player. Yes. Yeah, so I remember he's a, he actually features quite largely in in the second series, but you know, does he? Yeah, he does. They're they're skirting on um on the the on the verge of bankruptcy, you know, and it, you but just surely the FA would kick in and and help these clubs. I mean, it's not at fault of their own like anything else. And yes, if it's I not am. the FA, then the government should, surely should make sure these clubs. Survive. I had one club go bankrupt this year already, and they didn't help them out at all. So uh, I don't think it's the FA. The, the FA haven't got the money. No. The Premier League. As soon as the Premier League realised that once the clubs lower down go go out, it's going to affect the game in the UK. They've got to start filtering some of the dust down down to the lower league, but they can do a bit to me as well if they want. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised there. But, um, you know, the thing is that you you look at what's going on there and I, and I fear for some of those clubs. I, my my home team is Southend United, the mighty shrimpers, um, but I think that they've, they've been skirting around bankruptcy for about 30 years. Who's there now? Sol Campbell in it. Yeah, yeah, they brought Sol in. But is the problem uh, mismanagement, Sean? Is it... The, not the foresight in running the clubs correctly or somebody's gone in there and done the dirty and, and raped the club of their it's a money? Mixture of all, it's a mixture of all the above. Um, some of those clubs just go on bankruptcy every year. It's just the nature of the game. It's a very, as Bongo knows, very money-driven game and you you know, you know, can't buy players or, or that without overspending and, you know, clubs are, are desperate to stay up or, or to get promoted. And Or is there too many clubs in, in the UK that they should amalgamate? That may, that may be part of the problem. Yeah. Maybe they're What's your thoughts? The What's game. your thoughts, Bongo? Someone once said to me that successful businessmen come into football and then forget all about then forget all about business. They they just when you've got oh, if the players hear me say this, they'll shoot me. When you've got clubs, when you've got clubs spending one hundred and ten percent of the one hundred percent, ninety percent, ninety five percent of their income on players' wages, yeah, this would be a disaster. Yeah, although look, it's, it financially it doesn't work, and and I think you know the 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 part in in Sunderland till I die where they basically bought um, a striker um, on the strength of the, the the crowd was singing a really catchy song about him, and they overpaid by about two million pound for him. Shows you the sorts of pressures that they're under, and and the two guys that took over Sunderland were, were as you said businessmen and they did they forgot all about business you, you've got tony Cody there going don't don't buy him he's not worth it and they're going yeah but we got to buy we got to buy him. we had no b plan c plan or d plan and it's that sort of pressure that's on these people you know they, they were desperate to get promoted they thought that bringing in will grigg was going to make it happen and it didn't you know the gamble will, will will grigg's another good bomb buy i know will well <laughs> thought you might <laughs> but you know it was on the on the whole purchase. Uh, uh, the whole purchase was made on the strength of the 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 the, the, the song that they had there. Will Griggs on fire, you know, and and it was he was scoring goals for fun in Divi One until they signed him, and then it's all stopped. So you know, 
it's just interesting when you look at all those things happening in the background and, and obviously player agents get a really bad rap in that. So which, you know, if I were you, I would definitely watch it. Um, but, you know... The, that's tomorrow's viewing then, mate. Yeah. Fact, that, I've, got to go and have a, I've got to go and have a shoulder operation first. So I'm in a sling for six weeks. Oh, okay. So Sorry to hear that. I've just got local superstar singer here, Gary Fowley. Yeah. Fixing up my TV, putting my TV boxing. Excellent. Yeah, no, look, I can guarantee you it's a, it's a really good watch. Um, I binge-watched Series 1 and I binge-watched Series 2 and if you're having a shoulder up, you've got a decent excuse to, Gary. Uh, Gary yeah, Gary Chris. <laughs> Gary Chris Bongo, I don't know. You're one of them. <laughs> All right, mate. Um, look, Bongo, great to have you on. I, I celebrate the... Lovely to the chat, lads. All the best. Don't, I, don't I celebrate the madness, you. mate. Yeah, and long may you stay as crazy as you are. <laughs> Let's do it then. Crazy Bongo signing off. See you later. <laughs> okay. See, See you later, later boy. Interesting character. Gary yeah, Bongo yeah. Williams is an absolute character. And I, uh, whilst people have been, you know, going, what's this madness about bringing the MPL, or bringing the, the MPL, bringing the EPL to um, Perth, I, I congratulate the man for a having the um, the thought and the and then just make there try, try that, and make it happen. You the know? things that he have brought up, but I remember. A couple announcements um, in his heyday. He was going to bring uh, Gascoigne out here, yeah, and uh, it didn't eventuate. And no, but, but he did play in in the NSL, so yeah, yeah, the, yeah. So there was a few announcements that didn't come off, but yeah, to his credit, like you said, he brought out West Ham. He's brought out some big name players. I mean, at the time, there wasn't any bigger name player than George Best. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, Bobby Moore, I mean, who would have thought uh, Charlton, Bobby Charlton would come out here? We're, we're talking gods of the game, you know. It's, exactly. It's, it's the equivalent of, of bringing out, you know, um, a Lionel Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, yeah. you know. The, these these were the guys, the, the gods of their day, you yeah, know, yeah. and we're, we're able to bring them out. So I think, you know, whilst he's obviously touched, um, it's in a good way, you know, and I think it, long long may not change because you, you need dreamers you need people that can just go out there and go let's make this happen and that's you know as i said before i think part of the reason we don't have nice things here is because people go, oh, no it's not going to work let's not try let's not bother and you need people like like gary bongo williams that are prepared to go ah oh, damn it all let's let's give it a crack yeah, exactly because you know it may just pay off and and even if it doesn't um there's 20 EPL clubs there, of course, to have been here recently. Um, West Ham have been here a long time ago. But they're all now going, oh, Perth, you know. They were willing to give it a crack. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, Chelsea, Manchester United of all teams, Leeds United. Absolutely. They've all been out here and they've all said very nice things about us. And I think, you know, it's some of that stuff is about putting you on the map and creating those conversations and as much as people – you know, have decried it, that the conversation was being had not just here but in the UK, and those sorts of things just put you in the in the shop front. If you if you're out in the in the warehouse, no one sees you. If you're up in the shop window, um, you know other things could, could happen, and it may well be that there'll be another club, whether it be a um, a West Brom or an Everton or someone else goes. You know what? We're looking for a place to go for a summer tour. It is safe there, um, and right now, safety is a big big selling point. Absolutely, so, and, um, and I think you'll find, well, the only issue will be is when we're going to open our international borders and 
are they going to have to do the 14-day um, uh, isolation before yeah. they can actually go but, out? But you, you look at it from a soccer club's perspective. Okay, so you're going to do 14 days isolation. Fine, hole up in a hotel. We've got uh, a playing field there that we can go to. We can train for a fortnight. But who's going to be paying for this 14 days? I mean, the state government's not going to be paying for that, are they? I mean, we've got people coming yeah. back from overseas who are citizens and they yeah, have yeah. been footing the bill. But these are all things that have to be worked out, you know. And exactly. international travel is, is, I think, still 12 to 18 months away. Maybe um, we should have a football pitch on yeah. Rottnest Island. I was I was due to go back myself um, this well next week, and you know I've had to cancel everything. All my plans all just gone. And I, well, I was surprised that uh, Penny was going to give you any time off anyway, Sean. No, she wasn't. But that's the way it goes, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, whilst yeah, I've got reasons for going back. Obviously, my dad's not very well, and you know, yeah, by sorry the time, to hear that, yeah. well, look, it, it is what it is, uh, and you know, as much as you can, Skype is is a good a good way of doing it without actually physically being there. But it's and not the same, yeah. No, it's not the same. Yeah. But you know, for me, um, I I got to accept the things I can't change. Yeah, well, I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. But you know, look, it's it's not all about me. Um, but international travel is a long way off, and you know he may not be there when we get back. All right, but what will be there when we do get back after this break will be Alex Novatis. So we'll talk to Alex about uh, the Football West plan for the future. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make, and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. I'm Peter Skeeler. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support, and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Alright, one of the things... 107.9 FM. Okay, one of the things that hasn't changed in this crazy mixed up world is that things keep changing. Um, and someone at the forefront of that with, with football is Alex Novatsis. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Morning, Sean. Louis, how are you? Good, mate. Um, Louis's just out making a quick pit stop, I think. Um, yeah, look, it has to be done. This is live radio, mate. Um how are things going for you personally and, and Football West as a whole with, with all this? Obviously, there have been wholesale changes for everybody um, and just you know, just making sure that everyone's going along okay. Yeah, yeah. As we said, uh, a lot of things have been put on pause and um, competitions have been put on pause. And, yeah, as, as, a, as an organisation, we need to ensure that um, we need to ensure that we, we're ready for when, when competitions and training and the, once the state government... Uh, federal government and FFA have given us all the the okay to do so. Have you got um, the, as, as such, 
Alex, have you got any inside news from uh, the Premier's um, announcements tomorrow? Is uh, sport going to community sport going to be one of them? Do you think that they'll be real? Louis, if I knew what the Premier, if I knew what the Premier was doing, I'd be in politics. But um, yeah, <laughs> as, as, as all of us, we just have to await um, his announcement tomorrow, and um, we'll, we'll take that all on board and um, and move from there. Um, Unfortunately, if we knew what he was going to say, we'd be ready to go um, to, yeah, okay. to what, what the players would say, they, they, Sometimes they let uh, heads of organisation know before they actually make the announcement, so that's what, what I was asking. Yeah, no, no. In, in this scenario, I think, obviously, as the PM had said, he's leaving it up to states and territories to make their call, and I think he's been uh, kept close to his chest on this one. And obviously, you know, there was... Since that and after this two days that you need to go through to ensure that the right call's being made. So, yeah, yeah once we're here tomorrow, um, we'll, we'll move from there. Now, obviously, as part of your planning, you've met with the, the State League standing committees over the last week or so about the return yep. to football. And I think when you look at it, junior football... Um, and possibly amateur football is easier than most because the kids and even the the adults could turn up to the ground already kitted, so there's no change room needed and, and no close proximity stuff. But you know, state and NPL, state league and NPL is a bit different. Yeah, agreed, and and that's one thing why we speak to our standing committees. They're the they're the, the ears and eyes on the ground, and they know how how things are at clubland. And we need to ensure that we're we're transparent. And we communicate with all standing committees prior to putting our um, our options out on the table. So we need to take everything on board and, and make sure that um, everyone's aware of what we're trying to do. And we take all that information on board before we do make a decision. So from that point of view, I mean, everyone thinks that when you know, we're, we're in the lockdown that you've, you've got all this time to be doing stuff. Obviously, with the, the, the reductions in staffing and the amount of work that people actually need to do who are still yeah. there, um, that's an awful lot of planning and very few people to share it amongst, particularly if you start to go down multiple options of planning. So, so how are you coping with all of that and, and getting that together? Yeah, I mean, as you said, we've got all hands on deck now. And one thing that James has basically made us aware of and, and as at the FFA level is that we're all Football West employees and for those that are there, um, we, we need to make sure we're covering all areas as we should. And um, currently, it's, 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 yeah, absolutely, it's flat out. And we need to make sure that we have all those options ready to go, um, dependent on what the announcements are and, and when the roadmap comes out. So. Yeah, have we got options? Yeah, we have, and it's yeah. more than one. So it is, it'll, it is a lot of work, and um, we're just making sure that we've got the right, right ones ready to go. And when when we get the all clear and, and the flag to go, we're ready to do so. Yeah, it's quite interesting because there's a lot of people. Obviously, players just want to play, and I and I get that intently. But um, I've seen an email recently from um, local government, one one of the local government authorities to a, a club in in clubland there um that was saying that the the um state recovery coordinators has specifically stated the sports of soccer football netball basketball remain prohibited and then, until that changes councils aren't even going to allow the clubs to book grounds or training or anything um and i don't know how we change that or what we can do but you know as much as the players want to go back and, and bodies like yourself want the, the game to go back. Um, there, yeah. there seems to be a major stumbling block there. Yeah, so what what we have announced, and, and we're, we're just following state um, state government guidelines, and we, what we have said to, to our clubs that it's not a standard um, structured training. 
Um, this is not ready to go competition. This to, is to go out and, and it's, it's social, um, making sure players, are, you know, individual skills. Um, basically, we're, we're not trying to tell clubs this is where we're, we're going. It's, it, let's go do it. It's yeah. social and it's not structured formal training. So that's one thing um, yeah. that we've tried to reiterate um, to our clubs. Um, and, and, you know, you're right, the council's will say no to, to structured training. Yeah. Um, oh, look, and, and why we haven't said it's a structured training session is good to go. And and things like sharing a ball, I can't see a problem with, with someone passing a ball 10 metres backwards and forwards, yeah. but then if they're going to start heading the ball, there's obviously issues there. And it's, yeah. you know, you know what, you, you were a player yourself, Alex, you know what players are like. They're always going to yeah. push the boundaries. Oh, so, you know, the main yeah. thing is that we're, we are all safe. And, and I suppose this is, whilst we're all at the gate, wanting to run run mad, um, we can't. I mean, it's got to be a very safe and structured approach back. What does... Yeah, and one thing... Yeah, go on. One thing we need to ensure, uh, Sean, is that the, the reason why we're paying to go out and have a kick, have a run, individual skills, the, the main... There's two main things that we need to take on board, and, and this is what we've been trying to say to clubs. The, the first one is the, the health and, and mental well-being of our players and, mm. and volunteers and everyone there. That That's the main the main point that we need to ensure that, that these guys are aware of. The second one is is that we're not going to be messing around with something that is such a dangerous virus. Yeah. Now, once we've been given the okay, we're, we're good to go. But we need to ensure we follow those guidelines, yeah. and, I, and I can't stress that enough. And it's not an on-off switch. And I think you know, people think, oh, well, when it's back on, we just switched back on. It's a very, very different world. I had a Zoom meeting the other day where 50% of the people in that um, meeting have been directly financially affected. So they're on JobKeeper, they've lost businesses, yep. they've lost jobs. Um, and, you know, some of them are even contemplating whether or not they've got enough money to play football. You've got sponsors now who are affected yep. and f- – particularly even junior sport relies a lot on the fundraising, quiz nights, raffles, um, canteen, and all of those things, you know, that I've offset those fixed costs. And uh, yeah. I don't know how we, we reduce some of those costs. Yeah, so what we're trying to also do here, Sean, is, is the other football West, uh, we're talking about um, midweek um, type seven-a-side, five-a-side competitions is the other thing that we're looking at as well. So really, what are we trying to achieve? We want to get as many people out playing um, the sport as we can. And if it's if it's that, it's in a traditional 11-a-side competition, then, yep, let's go ahead. But we're also going to be looking at, you know, small-sided football um, where we can get more people out on the parks, kicking a ball, you know, casual um, and not at that type of level. But... Again, like you said, there is a lot of different, um, and, and Football West are one of them, where obviously, you know, we, we, our registration numbers are way, way lower than what they were last year. Yeah, and, we, and obviously, as people are aware, you know, with the structure currently in place, you know, it, it does take effect, and we are a business too. Yeah, uh, Football but, West yeah. haven't been immune of it either, Alex. I mean, you've lost no, staff no. as well, so... At, yeah, the end of the, at the end of the day, they're, they're, I'm sure they're chomping at the bit to, to get back to work, um, you yeah. know, to... Yes. to get their livelihoods back on track. So it's more far-reaching than people think more than just players and, and uh, club administrators. And, and I think we need to, to understand, Louis, it's more than just the sport as well. This is a worldwide pandemic that's gone out, and, and it's about the health of our, of our people. 
as well. So we, this is why we don't just jump in and, and get going. We need to make sure that everyone is on the same page. And how are you going, Alex? You sound, you know, normally we, we interview with you a bit more upbeat. You sound, sound a bit stressed today. No, no right? mate. I, I don't stress. Mate. I'm all good. I'm all good, Louis. Mate, absolutely. Yeah, just, because I, 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 I can imagine a lot of people are putting pressure on governing bodies because, as, our, yeah, uh, as Sean said, you know, we want this, we want that. But as you said, yeah. hmm. you know, for some people, they're lying in hospital beds right now wondering if they're going to live. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah uh, and this is the thing, Louis. Uh, one thing for me is, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm alive. I'm, I'm happy. Um, you know, and, and this is the, and what we need people to do is make sure everyone else is and we check in on everyone else as well. And that's part and parcel of, of our lives. And uh, as a football and, and in member services being, uh, you know, with stakeholders, yeah. I'll do the same and I'll check up on my clubs and my people and, Make sure everyone is okay, and, and everyone knows my number. I'm always happy yeah. to have it. Now, there's, there's lots to talk about the, you know, the season going back and, and we're looking at it now um, as things stand today would have been round nine of the NPL, round seven of State League. Um, that's almost half the season gone by the time, even if we can start training on Monday, um, that's yep. half the season gone by the time we start a season of sorts. Now, with the yep. time constraints and a lot of clubs share grounds with summer sports and I don't see councils, all those other sports giving up ground, um, how realistic is a full season? I, you know, personally, don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, again, we, we one of the options is we do a full season. So it depends on on the on the, the competition as well, Sean. So yeah. it could be, I know, with MPL and State League, we, we have and we're lucky enough to have grounds with lights, so we can have midweek fixtures. Yeah. So there's an option there that we do get midweek fixtures to catch up on those rounds. Again, um, we're looking at we're speaking with councils to see if we can extend our summer, our sorry, our winter season in terms of ground usage. So currently, clubs are till 30th of September. Yeah. There could be we 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 we're trying to speak with our councils to see if we can get that extended to you know end of October. So there's another five five weeks with midweek where we can potentially get more matches in. Yeah. But I think at the junior level um, and the amateur and the, 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 those levels is get in as many games as possible. And yeah. if it means, um, I mean, junior level, there's different ways about it. I mean, currently we we stop during school holidays. Yeah. Maybe maybe one of the, op- one of the options is we go through the school holidays. So there's another yeah. four, four weeks that we had to. And, so and I know kids. Games in. Oh, absolutely. We need to keep playing. Kids, kids will play twice a day if you let them. That's, that, that's the whole thing. It's just about how you make it happen. Um, so, absolutely. look, going forward from this, and I know there's, there's so many com- computations about the competition, uh, but realistic expectations need to be there as well. But not just that. We've got to look at how we move forward. I mean, clubs are going to have to look at how they re restructured themselves and, and their costs. I mean, yep. most clubs, um, particularly State League and NPL, players' wages are a big part of it. And I think the players' expectations, particularly this year, need to be reduced. But also, yep. do you think with uh, – look, for a State League game, it costs us $700 for, for a referee for the games. Um, will the referees give a bit um, or do we look at more club linesmen in maybe the 18s and resis and those sorts of things just to reduce the cost and probably yep. for, for both leagues forego the, the prize money. Let's face it, it's not worth fighting over, but if there's no prize money, it, that just helps with the cost for everybody. Yeah, you're right, Sean, and that's part of everything that you stated there is part of our discussions at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah All absolutely. Right. And, and I suppose... got, you must have cameras and, and microphones in our walls, mate. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, that'd be a breach of the telecommunications act. But, um, no, no. But the thing is, uh, and uh, the way I look at it is that yeah, you know, it's, it's obvious and it's, it's something that needs to happen. But the the restructuring of um, the businesses, I mean. The clubs have got to restructure their businesses and their costs. Um, and I know Football West um, will probably need to look at how they go and, and what functions we perform and, w- and what functions we need to um, pay people to do and which ones we, we don't. And there's going to be a restructuring. I know Rob Sherman, um, in part of his diatribe when he left the FFA, was that we're we're too bureaucratic and we need to streamline the bureaucracy. He was all for having yep. it run from from Sydney. I I don't think that's the ideal answer, but some form of restructuring cost. Um, you know, we we've got a lot of people getting paid good money, um, but that money has to come from within the game. And we we talk about. Uh, I spoke with Dale Wingle earlier about reducing the cost to kids. We don't get any funding from government. And I, I don't know, and, and probably you could, you're in a better place to tell me. I don't think any club is actually ripping kids off to pay players. I know from my own club, 100% of that money goes back into coaching the kids. And I don't yeah. see that too many, knowing what the costs are, particularly when you're looking at paying a TD or, or a full time coach, um, that anyone is really raking money off kids to, to pay yeah, that, yeah. a player. Yeah, hundred percent, and and that's what it's about. I think you're spot on. It's about now. I think what clubs need to do in this time, and we we all need to have a look at a blank canvas and go right. How can we structure this in a better financial model? Um, and that that's what we need to look at. And that's what it's about is now looking at that. Do I think clubs are no, they're not. Of course they're not. The, the the money is going direct back into coaching, into equipment, into lighting, into ground hire registration it's all it, it's all accounted for there's mm. absolutely no doubt about that but it's just now a matter of how do we how do we think smarter about you know can, is there other ways around and that's, right. that's something that i'm happy to talk to clubs about and, and go through it from there absolutely work smarter not harder is one of my mottos right. forever really um well, football was before uh, alex had a financial model that uh, could assist clubs i mean of course you know you need to tailor your financials to your particular needs within the club. Now with uh, COVID now, uh, are you revising that model? Yeah, so what we've currently got, Lou, and I, and I can't say too much in terms of that part, but what, we, what we've put out is a club support page um, for our clubs, and, and on there is um, some grants that clubs can apply for, um, and that's via the, the, the government, and, and we're, we're happy to help them um, in terms of completing the documentation. Um, so it's all there. There's the Lottery West. Um, grant that's available. That, that you know, there's all those sort of things that are in place um, by our gov- government to actually do so. So yeah, we're, we're happy to talk to clubs in terms of the current model versus what it was. Yeah, it, it, again, it's something that we need to look at in the future. Yeah. Currently, we need to. We've got a lot of things on our plate, um, but not to say that it won't be looked at. Absolutely. All right, we're we're running short on time. Um, it's great to hear that you've you've got plans. Um, we know how hard you are working. Um, it's just that sometimes people forget that you you are a human that you also have feelings and needs, and that you know you are working the hardest. I don't know anyone else who works harder than you in Football West. So, um, you know, thanks to you for what you do. Um, stay well. Thanks, mate, and you too, and to everyone listening. Uh, stay safe stay healthy, and we look forward to seeing you on the other side kicking a ball around. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Right, see you, Alex. Thanks, Take guys. care. Take care. Bye-bye.
All right, Alex and Vances for Football West. And, and Football West are, um, you know, like the rest of us, um, hurting. They're, they're struggling. I think, you know, we, we talk about the, the financial side of the game and how everyone's struggling. Football West are no um, orphans in that. And they, they're also feeling the pain. Um, but, you know, we, we've all got to work together to get out of this. And, and players in particular need to go, you know, maybe I, I want to play for the right reason, which is I want to play for the shirt, not the money. Um, and if you want to play for the money, then you know, good luck because there's not much out there. Um, <laughs> it's a problem. Clubs got to look after themselves first and foremost, and you know you you can kill a club by, by making it too hard. And I think you know we've all got to work together to get through this, and then when we get through the other side, hopefully restructured and 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 sleeker business models um, and proper business models will will all come through. But we've had some some really good interesting chats there today. I think it's been yeah. uh, very. I mean, we started with. Um Sandra, I think she, it was great to hear from her and yep. and the history of the game there. Um, been <laughs> different ca- character coming afore with uh, Bongo. Yep. And, and, and no, look, and that's what you, this game takes all sorts. And I think you know the one thing that's been through this through the whole thing segment today is there is positive in there, and we we all need to concentrate on those positives. Um, another positive is that the jazz program we sign very shortly, so we need to, to clear the deck for him. Um, so thank you for listening. Penny will be back next week. This has been the World Football Program. I'm Sean Kelly with Lou Prospero. We'll see you in a fortnight. Yeah, take care, everyone. What's happening there? It's not playing for me. What's happened? Something's happened here. I don't know what's going on. All right. Let's keep, stop that for a moment. Keep pressing the buttons, Sean. Yeah, I'm keeping pressing the buttons. Anyway, <laughs> look, Penny's back next week. Um, I don't know. This thing's locked up on me. Um, so that we will, we'll go without our, um, our process. Yeah, the computer has crashed on me. We had problems with our server all week. It's a reboot. Yeah, it's, it's a, a reboot. reboot so, so Lenny, over to you, mate, and the um, the jazz program. Um, so I'll get him to get his music going, and we'll be right back with you next week.